0: Welcome back to Social Soul Podcast. My name is Jess. And I'm Haley. All right. So today we're bringing on a friend of mine, Taylor Jean. Taylor, thank you so much for being on here today. We're so super excited to talk to you.
1: Thank you. I'm so excited to like when you asked me to be on, I was literally like screaming in my apartment.
0: I feel like you were like the perfect person to bring on. I was actually kind of upset with myself that it took me this long to realize that I should bring you on here. Like it just like clicked. And then I was like, why the fuck haven't I asked her yet? What am
1: I doing? She also is like, how has it taken me this long? We met like four months ago. So (laughs) I'm very excited we're doing this.
0: Yeah. So a little bit of a backstory. Um, I was introduced to Taylor through a mutual friend. And um, we met up in Everett, Washington and had lunch for like three hours together and talked about all things life, um, especially things Lyme disease, which we're going to get into. Um, so I don't know if there's like a specific spot that you want to start when talking about like your experience with Lyme disease, or if you want to just like go back to life before diagnosis or like when shit really started to go down and then you got diagnosed, I'll let you take it.
1: Okay, cool. Yeah, it's so interesting because my diagnosis came when I was about 23 or 24, um, And And you're 27 now, right? I'm 27 now. Yeah. Um, and I, I can't pinpoint when I got Lyme disease. So, um, when I was about 19, I started getting really bad adult acne. I started being, I mean, I started getting chronic yeast infections. I started being really sensitive to things and I had no idea what it was. Um, of course, Like it was my correlation to food, which a lot of people who suffer from Lyme know that, you know, when you're, you know, sensitive to everything, it all makes sense. But for me, for so many years, it never made sense. So I was just dealing with feeling like, why the hell am I getting cystic acne at 19 to 22? And why is my coochie always on fire? Like, this sucks. What is going on? it took, you know, years, honestly, of me staying silent about it. I don't think I told anything, anybody about, obviously, I mean, you could tell with my acne, but I didn't tell anybody about how I was feeling on the inside for many years. Cause it was just so embarrassing. Um, and at the time, I mean, social media was obviously around, but it wasn't like it is today where people are health coaches or they're talking about their life journey. It was, you make funny skits And you get followers, at least in kind of the realm I was in. And so there wasn't like an Instagram post that I could scroll and see and be like, oh, I suffer from that same thing. I wonder if maybe that's something I'm dealing with. Um, And so, yeah, I was able to do some things on my own um, to help with like my food sensitivities before my diagnosis. Um, And then I moved back home. I'm from a small town in Northern California, and I started seeing a naturopathic doctor who was recommended to me. And she came in, she's like, okay, you have candida overgrowth. We know that. Um, And as more testing happened, I took a food sensitivity test. And out of the like 400 things she tested for, the only things in the green were white wine, food coloring, and gluten-free soy sauce.
0: White wine and food coloring? Yeah. That
1: is so random. So random. And I just remember I cried for like a week because I thought, you know, and this was, again, I didn't have my diagnosis. So I thought, okay, I'm going to get this food sensitivity test. I'm going to be able to eliminate the things we're going to work on this. And I was like, oh my God, I'm never going to be able to live Mm -hmm. the life I want to live. Like, is this serious? And so, yeah, I, you know, after, you know, that um, she was like, okay, there's obviously something going on here. Um, And then that's when I was tested for Lyme. Um, and once I became, um, once it came back that I was positive for Lyme, then we tested for mold. Um, and that was positive as well. Um, and yeah, it just, it kind of answered a lot of questions. Um, it made us, my family and I kind of wonder, you know, have I been dealing with Lyme my whole life? You know, there was, there was certain symptoms that I think I had when I was younger that we just attributed to growing pains or you know, other issues. Um, and in reality, it could have been that I was suffering from Lyme and it just, it took kind of being in a different environment or maybe getting mold or maybe, you know, the candida, something just triggering it to really, um, you know, be full force in my body.
0: Um, you played like sports growing up, didn't you?
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Did you ever feel like I don't know, different compared to the people that you played sports with? Did you ever feel like people recovered faster than you or like you dealt with certain things that people, other people didn't deal with? I, and I'm only asking that because I felt that way. I played sports my whole childhood and now like looking back, I'm like, oh, I remember that time that I like passed out but like nobody else passed out and they all did the same (laughs) workout as me.
1: You know what I mean? Yeah. No, by the time I was, gosh, 22, I had had seven surgeries and six of those were, or six surgeries and five of them were sports related. So at a young age, I was tearing ligaments. I was re-tearing ligaments, um, I was, I mean, I remember like my Achilles would hurt so bad. I could barely walk. My calves would cramp up like crazy. Everything was sore. You know, I complained of a bad back starting at like eight or nine years old. Granted, I was five, six and a half at 10. So I was tall. But again, you know, we attributed those things to growing pains when in reality, it was probably like my muscles and joints just truly being attacked by Lyme disease. Um, And so, yeah, looking back on it now, I think, like, if we would have known this when I was in high school and all of these injuries started happening, what my recovery process would have looked like, I I wouldn't have stopped playing. But it would have at least allowed me to seek some sort of help in taking care of my body.
0: Yeah, when I was younger playing sports, like I didn't do any like physical therapy or like anything extra to like support my system, which I should have fucking been doing, knowing like my health at the time, but I obviously right. didn't know what was going on. Yeah. I remember getting like diagnosed with um gluten intolerance was what they thought was causing all of my problems. Of course. Which now I know like, yeah, that was part of it for sure. Yeah. But like that wasn't the whole picture. No. Yeah. But I want to go back to the food allergy test that you mentioned because I think that that's important for people to know because like the same thing happened to me. I went in, got a food intolerance test or food allergy test and came back allergic to fucking everything on it. And the naturopathic doctor was like, yeah, this isn't normal. Like clearly there's something going on because nobody should be this allergic to everything on this list.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Polyreactivity is the number one sign that something is wrong. Number one sign. I mean, there's maybe more number one signs, but I think it's like, it's the one that is going to give you like the sure sign to keep digging.
0: Yeah. And it's only, you know, I mean, it is expensive for a test, but compared to other
1: tests, it's pretty
0: reasonable to just like use that as a starting point.
1: Do it, do an at home test. I mean, I know my, I have a friend who suffers from some other chronic illnesses, not Lyme. And she did like a $99 at home test. And she was able to then have those results with her doctor and figure out where they needed to go. So granted, mine was much more than $99. Yeah, same. (laughs) Um, And I would totally go do it again. I mean, you know, like I was tested for gums, right? It was like, okay, you shouldn't be eating gums. And you don't, you're not going to find that on the $99 one and that's okay, but at least gives you a place to start. And then testing can happen with your doctor. And also depending on what kind of doctor you're seeing, um, this is no shade to Western medicine because it saved my life. Um, but a lot of them are going to look at that and again, be like, well, it's a gluten intolerance or stop eating dairy. And it, that's like that right there is it is a sure sign to keep advocating for yourself because something is wrong and it's not just because you're eating bread for breakfast there's more shit to it
0: <laughs> I also wanted to talk to you about how like you said that you got diagnosed with mold toxicity too do, when you like look back do you remember the instance that you were like around mold or was that like a surprising
1: thing to you No, it was definitely a surprise. Um, I've like hinted at my mom that we should maybe check my childhood home. And of course she's like, girl, (laughs) we're, yeah. If we ever want to put this on the market, we're not doing that. And she's just, you know, she can, she's convinced it's not there. Um, but again, I don't know, like, I, I don't necessarily go home and become more ill, um. I lived in like my brother's like basement room kind of near a beach when I was around the, really around the time I started getting worse. Um, So I maybe attribute it to that. Um, And then I lived in a historic building in LA that as you walked up the stairs, it gave you a warning sign that the entire place had lead paint and it could cause cancer. And of course, like, You know, who knows how long that sign was there until I noticed it. And I'm like, hmm. So looking back, I was definitely in environments that were not helpful to me. But I can't pinpoint, like, I know your story. You were in an apartment where it was, like, very, very noticeable that there was a shit ton of mold. That wasn't my my case. And so I wasn't then able to go to a specialist or go to someone and say, hey, I've been exposed to all this mold, Um, which... Again, you know, like it probably could have saved a lot of years of my life being in just like a really shitty place. Um, And at the same time, I'm kind of like, you know what, this is exactly how my path was supposed to go in dealing with chronic illness.
0: Yeah, I think mold is a super tricky situation. And as much as I like wish for everybody to not have to live in mold or deal with any of that shit, it's almost fucking impossible to not deal with it at some point in your life just with I don't know, just the attention that mold does not get. <laughs> um, I mean, I just signed a lease on a new apartment and everywhere in there, it was trying to tell me that mold is normal. Mold is normal. Sign here. If you see mold, it's normal. <laughs> I'm like, you
1: motherfuckers. Right. Like, well, but also think of the population that doesn't get mold toxicity. Yeah. You know, there's so many people that can actually live in that environment and it doesn't it doesn't affect them. Well, I should say it probably is affecting them, but not at a level that's gonna cause concern. And so that's one thing that, you know, I was tested for my susceptibility to Lyme and mold, um, even after, I think it was before I was, I tested positive for mold or even took the test. Um, And that's what kind of pushed us to test for mold because it came back with celiac, Lyme, mold, that I was all very susceptible to it. and then it just kind of all made sense, as well as you know, like they're like the three big bad brothers. If you have mold, you probably have lime. If you have lime, you probably have candida. If you, have, you know, just like it, they come out of no. I mean, and it's true. It almost feels like they come out of nowhere, especially when you don't know you're in an environment, or you don't know you get bit by a tick, or you don't know all of that shit. It just smacks you in the face, you know?
0: Yeah, it's a it's a fucking rough um but i like how you mentioned that like yeah there's a large part of the population that doesn't get i mean extremely negatively affected by it and so i think you know if somebody's out there and they're having health issues in a house that they think might have mold like go with your fucking gut but also like don't second guess yourself just because the person you're living with isn't sick from it um, I mean, like that happened to me. I was living with someone who did not get sick at all from the mold that I was living in. And so literally no one fucking believed me at the time. Even the landlord was like, well, he's not fucking sick. So
1: like, what are you fucking complaining about? Right, right. My immune system is compromised. And I don't even know that. And I'm obviously fucking miserable. And it's just I mean, like the neuro aspects of it, right? Like we talked about that when we got had our lunch is just how mold, Lyme, any disease that's in your body affects your brain function. It's going to affect your mood. It's going to affect how you think, feel. I mean, I know for me, and I think it was kind of a a contribution of a few things, but I had brain surgery when I was 22. At the time, I didn't know I had Lyme disease. I didn't know I had mold. I didn't know I had, you know, a candida overgrowth necessarily. I was still suffering from chronic yeast infections. Um, I didn't know I had Epstein-Barr. I didn't know that I had two bacterial respiratory infections, um, that I'd had since a kid that mimicked, you know, all the shit that I would get sick with as a kid, you know, they would just give me antibiotics for Right. The list goes on. I didn't know any of this. So I had brain surgery and post, you know, recovery, I started getting really bad anxiety, which I had never dealt with before in my life. And, It was like, oh my God, this person I think is mad at me and I would not be able to come out of that really like dark, scary, nerve wracking place for days. And even if I would speak to that person and everything was fine, I would still be like, I don't know, (laughs) is that right? And I think, you know, of course, the trauma that happened to my brain and the sense of, you know, like going in and moving things and pushing things around to get to where they needed you know, to remove the cyst, um, affects your brain. But I think just when your body goes through a traumatic event, it's going to jumpstart all the other shit in your body Mm -hmm. to come through and flourish. And some of the worst like bouts of my chronic illness was post brain surgery. And I truly think that a lot of my anxiety was my illnesses, not even just the fact that, you know, they went My head with a few, you know, like metal prongs and fix some shit, you know, like, and it's so crazy because looking back at it now, I wish I would have been able to like hold on to that information, you know, grasp onto something to at least have answers. But I had to just sit there and think I was batshit crazy. Mm
0: -hmm. I remember sitting in my moldy fucking duplex being like, I am fucking crazy like what is wrong with me?
1: Nuts. I'm absolutely nuts. (laughs)
0: Because I would have the anxiety just like you mentioned and I would get these like fits of rage where I would just like something would piss me off and it would send me into a fucking spiral and like nothing could bring me down. Like I think back and I'm like I feel so sorry for the boyfriend I was living with at the time because I made his life a living fucking hell. During that, because there was nothing that that guy could do right. But I was just like, I could not fucking come down. And at the same time, I'm like, I know this fucking isn't me. Like, I've lived my life how many years. This isn't what I'm usually like. Obviously, something's going on. But, you know, in the moment, you you don't have answers. You don't know what the fuck is happening.
1: Unless you're dripping, like, green goo from your eyes and having all the, like, super, super severe – like visual symptoms of someone who's suffering from mold, no one's going to believe you. I mean, even my naturopathic doctor was very hesitant on testing me for mold because she's like, I truly don't think that you have it. She's like, you are, you know, you, you don't show any of the signs you, you don't show any of the symptoms. The only thing is, you know, the fact that you have candida and mold and it kind of comes in threes. And I remember I just, and she's great, and like I could tell her I want to test for anything and everything, and she would be like, "Let's do it." And I finally was just like, "Listen, I either keep going six more months a year not knowing, and then we eventually have to treat it, or we test for it. If I don't have it, fucking great. Yeah. If I have it, then we add it into
0: the shit we're already doing. <laughs> yeah, all of the
1: tincture, you know, everything we're already doing. We just, I, I'm like, I'd rather do it now." Then wait, And she, you know, even when we tested it, I have five different types of mold in my body. And she was like, I'm, I'm surprised you even have one. She was like, so again, I mean, I will say one thing that I'm really grateful for is people who suffer from Lyme and mold, Candida, you know, chronic illnesses in general. I feel like, although I suffered in my own ways, I was never hospitalized. I, you know, yes, there was times in my life where like I could not get out of bed and I would sleep for hours on end and I, you know, all these things. But I'm also very fortunate that it didn't like completely tear me down to the point where I was oozing green shit from my eyeballs, you know, because that I know I've heard of stories of people who literally are just like not able to function. You know, I could hold jobs. I could do things. Was I in pain? Absolutely. Um, but yeah, that's one thing I'm very thankful for is, is my journey with this, um, knocked me on my ass, but not enough to where I couldn't, you know, continue living my life in a certain way.
0: And that's why it's like so important to bring like people like you on here to talk about these experiences is because they can be so vastly different. Totally. Um, You know, you see the very extreme and then you see like more mild and then you see like Everybody has different symptoms even though they have like the same fucking shit going on and it's it's very wild. And as you know, like you mentioned earlier, you know, social media wasn't the way it is now and you weren't seeing this stuff and being able to like find people that were dealing with it. Like that just – social media is a lot better now or maybe I just found the right side of social media because I have got fucking sick. I don't know. But like it's so invisible to a lot of people and that's why we talk about it. But I think – the one thing that really stands out to me is that like it's an invisible disease and you know you hear often that people are like this shit's not real. Like you don't look sick.
1: You don't act sick. You don't look sick.
0: But then here you are being like test me for fucking mold. I don't care if you think I don't have it. Like just fucking test me for it. Like you get to the point where you're like just fucking take all my money, do everything you absolutely can to figure out what's going on with me and it's like if that shit wasn't actually happening to you, if you weren't that in that much fucking pain, if you weren't that fucking sick, well, why would you put yourself through all of that? Why would you spend all your money on all of those tests? Yeah. Like, why would you spend that much time at the doctor's office?
1: Exactly. And I tell people all the time, like, one, just touching on, you know, you saying that so many different people have so many different symptoms with the same disease, It still doesn't mean that your symptoms, just because you aren't, you know, as severe as someone else, it doesn't negate the way you feel. Mm -hmm. This shit changed my life in ways that, like, I mean, I could probably start crying just thinking about it now. I mean – I
0: literally just got chills when you just said that. Yeah,
1: it's like – My, I mean, I went through hell for years and years and years because I didn't know what the fuck was going on and yeah, I could still go out with my friends and I could still work late night at, you know, the hookah lounge I had a job at and I could, you know, still go do these things, but I was fucking miserable and I don't think I even noticed it until I kind of started healing and I was like, wait, I'm sorry. I just had three tortilla chips and my, do I not have a, I don't have a yeast infection oh my God, (laughs) like this is the best fucking day ever. And so you don't negate your symptoms and how you're feeling based upon someone else's story. Who's like, you know, hasn't been able to walk properly for six months or something extreme. Your feelings are still valid. Um, and that's one thing that I think I learned through this process was, and just in life, like my, my healing journey didn't just happen when I, you know, for my body and my health, it happened for like my mind, my soul, my spirituality. And I've learned so much that like you can't negate your own feelings. Um, you you have to understand that everyone holds on to like trauma, right? We all have the same trauma responses when it comes to the ways we were affected growing up, you know, emotionally, just like chronic illness. We're going to have some sort of similar trauma Responses um, in our body due to the chronic illness we have. And the severity, I shouldn't say doesn't matter, but you still deserve to heal no matter how severe your symptoms are or not, you know, how small your symptoms are.
0: Everybody processes trauma differently too. And that's the one thing that like regular Western medicine does not talk about. Not even, I mean, naturopathics don't even really talk about it either, but like, If you're somebody that goes to therapy and is in the mental health field, like you fucking, they talk about that shit all the time. Two people can experience the exact same traumatic event and have entirely different outcomes from it. And so it's like everyone's circumstances are different. Everybody's body is different. You don't know how fucked up things are going to make you until you go through it.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. And like you never know when your symptoms are going to come, you know? I. I was 19 when they started becoming severe. If this would have started happening at 11, I don't know. I mean, I honestly don't know what I would have done. My parents probably would have taken me to the hospital, you know, some Western medical doctor or the hospital if, say, I had like a severe, you know, reaction to my Lyme. And they probably would have just prescribed me antibiotics and said I was fine. And then I would have lived the rest of my life thinking, I guess this is just post-Lyme disease, as they call it, and this is what it is. So also know that like whatever your journey is, don't look back and be like, damn, I wish I would have known it here or I wish I would have known it here because it's supposed to happen in the time that it does, and it's all for the benefit of you and others around you. I think me going through this at 23, 24 – I'm able to share my experiences with people more than I would at 11. What was I going to do at 11? I mean, MySpace wasn't even around at 11. <laughs> like, maybe I could have what posted on my top eight friends that I like had Lyme disease. Yeah. And if anybody wanted to talk to me about it, they could. No.
2: Write a little blog post on yeah. it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like, change the font color, you know, like make my song like an evanes- evanescent song. I don't even remember the name of the band. Like, No. And so yeah, just don't don't beat yourself up that you wish you would have caught it sooner, that you wish, you know, you could take back all these years of your life. Focus on the fact that now you get to share your story with people. You get to change your story. And just because you have this illness doesn't mean that it it defines who you are moving forward. Yes, it's gonna be part of your life. Yes, it's abs I mean. Like, I've had to be transparent with my work, right? I'm like, hey, some days it's just, it's all bad for me. Mm -hmm. And this is why. Of course, I did not disclose that during the interview process. But post-interview process, I absolutely did. And, you know, it's it's like finding the right environments that are going to love you and support you because I have two months where I feel like I'm on top of the world. And then I have a week where I absolutely feel like I got smashed by a semi-truck. Yeah and it's going to happen.
0: I don't know your feelings around this so I'm really curious, but like I know for me, yeah, my experience with it was fucking hell, but like I would not change it for the world now because of like how much it's helped me recreate my life into like such a fucking better life um, and just evolved me as a person into just a general way better fucking human than I was before. Like I think back to me Pre Lyme disease, and I didn't know what the fuck I was doing out there. Like, I was just working my ass off 247, partying my ass off 247. Like, I had no boundaries, no limits. Like, I was just go till I fucking die. Yeah. I'm curious to like, if you can share like who you were before it and like who you are now. If there's a difference, obviously it's still you, but
1: yeah. I honestly, I think that's like, a really great point because I don't know if, I mean, I feel like I would have to really like sit with that and see if, you know, who I was before is so different than who I am now. But I think my appreciation for life is much different. I think that I appreciate the human body more than anything in the world. I mean, like we are such unique beings. Like, I almost become speechless because it's it's hard. I think I said this to my osteopath the other day. I said, when you have not almost died, you don't know what it feels like. And it was like, that's very broad. But when you're so sick, when you go through something like a traumatic event, like a brain surgery, when you are ill, when you are in pain every single day of your life for 20 something years. You don't know, like you don't appreciate the body. You don't love your body. You don't. And, and I'm not saying that's everyone, right? Like I don't need the hate to come to me, but you will try everything. You will do everything and you will appreciate everything so much more because it's a life or death situation. It, it, and it feels like that, right? I could continue to live for 30 years, but what am I going to do? Have a shitty ass quality of life and be miserable Or am I going to appreciate, learn, love, know that my body can heal and then have a better quality of life and appreciate my body, appreciate what I put into it, appreciate the fact that I go drop a half a grand on my osteopath every month. And that's fucking worth it because he's changing my life for the better. And that's what a lot of people don't, don't grasp or understand outside of the life or death world we live in, kind of.
0: I like how you mentioned the quality of life because a lot of people, you know, when they're first diagnosed with any chronic illness, your quality of life immediately is fucking shot, right? Like you're devastated. You're going fucking through it. And you're like, life's never going to be the same. You're obviously in that really dark spot. Um, But I think back to like my quality of life pre-chronic illness, I, I treated my body like a fucking trash can. You know, like I didn't care what was going in, (laughs) like, and my quality of life at the time, I thought it was great. It was not fucking
1: great. It was fun. Well, and you even look back and you're like, was it really that fun? Because I felt like shit.
0: Yeah, (laughs) and I did feel like shit. Like, I, I honestly think I didn't know what was wrong with me. I thought everybody felt just as shitty as me. So like, I just treated my body like shit because I'm like, I already feel like shit. So what's the difference? You know, that's the mindset that I was in. Yeah. And like, yeah, my quality of life has completely fucking changed and things are a lot more difficult for me now. Um, but my quality of life is also so much better because I know my body's limitations and I know the things that I can do to get my body back into a good place when I do feel like shit. And so, yeah, I just really like that you mentioned the quality of life. Yeah,
1: it's so true. And I do want to touch on like when you get your diagnosis, you are allowed to cry your fucking eyes out for a week you are allowed to feel like shit you are allowed to completely have that time to process it I know I was the guy I was dating at the time was really great I mean you know he was dealing with all my symptoms beforehand when I got my diagnosis at least I knew but I've I think it was hard for him to see me be this just like crying ball of a mess for like a week or two weeks, because I mean, I cry all the time. I'm a cancer and I like, you know, I just, I, I cry when I'm happy. I cry when I'm all of it, but it was just this moment where I was like, I might deal with this for the rest of my fucking life. Give me this time. Like, I appreciate you being positive. I appreciate you wanting to give me love, but right now I need to feel sad and I need to feel like, my world is ending. I'm like, I know it's not. That's not gonna be the case. I know I'm gonna find exactly what I need to do to make this shit work, but just let me have mice. Like, let me be pissed. Let me cry. Let me, I mean, there would be times I would wake up in the middle of the night and I would just start bawling my eyes out. And, you know, I think that's one thing too. Like, dating with chronic illness is very interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> Very interesting because you're having to explain, you know, you're either with someone like your boyfriend in the moldy apartment that could, didn't know what was going on, couldn't handle the relationship. We won't do any bashing, right? But like it also goes to the type of people that you choose to be with, right? Like some men or women aren't going to be able to handle the fact that you're going to have bad weeks, bad months maybe. And there's going to be others who are going to know exactly what to do and exactly how to love you. And Mm -hmm. my ex luckily was really amazing. Um, and you know, us working out had nothing to do with my chronic illness, which is really amazing. But as, as I've dated now, I mean, like you're, you're sharing very personal information with people who sometimes don't want to hear it. I'm like, Oh, sorry, actually can't have sex this week because my coochie's on fire. They're like, they're like, I'm sorry, what? And I'm like, oh, because sometimes I get chronic yeast infections. And they're like, ew. And I'm like, oh, you're, oh, you think this is, okay. I don't think this is going to work out. You know, like, good for you. Yeah. Where you have other people who are going to understand, be respect, even if they don't understand, they're still going to love you and your body and what you're going through. So I, I mean, I remember at 20, I was probably 19 or 20 and I broke down and I literally was like, I'm never going to find someone who's going to want to be with me. Mm-hmm. And that's also the like part where we talk about that even though I looked healthy, I acted healthy, I was in the club, I was you know, going and doing things, I was having men hit on me and you know, want to take me on dates. I literally was like, I will not find someone who's going to love me and want to be with me. Because I was like, I'm not going to be able to have a a, a normal sex life. I'm not going to be able to, um, you know, enjoy these things. I'm not going to be able to do the X, Y, and Z for this man or with this man. And no one's going to ever love me for that. And obviously looking back at it now, I'm like, fuck that mindset. But when you don't know what's going on, when you think that you're going to live a life like that forever, those are super valid feelings. And, oh my God, I wish I could just go give my 19 year old self a hug and be like, first of all, these dudes that you're worried about, (laughs) don't be fucking worried about them. And two, guess what? You're not the only one dealing with this. Guess what? Even girls that don't have chronic yeast infections get yeast infection. You know, like it just, there's so many things that I wish I could tell my old self now that would help me navigate those low points. But again, that's the beauty of being able to say it now. I mean, when I started sharing my journey about um, like my yeast infections specifically, I don't know how many women DM'd me and they're like, oh my God, I've been dealing this with this for like six years. I'm like, what? They're like, yeah. Oh my God. I, I didn't think anyone else was dealing with it. I'm like, okay, come here. We're, we're going to have a talk. <laughs> like it's, it's so common, but it's just, It's something that's so scary and so this ick around it, right, that we don't want to talk about it. And I feel so, like, thankful now that I'm confident and able to talk about it in a way that can get other people's attention to want to not feel as embarrassed. Do you think
2: that there's anything that, like, helped you work on building that confidence to talk about it? Because I think that that's awesome. And then I'm also wondering, like, do you think talking about it has also helped to build your confidence? in just dealing with it
1: yeah it's so interesting I think honestly I've always been a pretty confident person this was like one area of my life that I was obviously like mortified by um and it kind of just took I think the change in social media a little bit um I knew it was something that I wanted to talk to people about. And I could in a setting, you know, if I'm going out to dinner with someone, I, I tell my whole story. But when 90% of your followers on social media are men, how do you say, by the way, I have chronic yeast infections? But like, you know, here I am, this like chick, you know, <laughs> like it's 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 really nerve-wracking and it's really scary. But I remember I saw someone post a reel. It was a woman and she just talked about chronic yeast infections. And I remember being like, that is so fucking cool. And I had a moment of realization like, girl, who cares if there's going to be men in your life anywhere? I don't care if you directly know me in person. I don't care if you're trying to date me. I don't care if you've followed me for the last 12 years. If you have an issue about me talking about my health and something that, you know, can help others, then I don't want you in my space. I don't want you following me. I don't, nothing. And I, I don't, I I didn't have an experience of anyone like reaching out to me and being like, this is fucking disgusting. Don't talk about that. Um, and if I did, I absolutely would just be like, okay, that's what you think. Not me. Go talk to your sisters, go talk to your girlfriend, go talk to Because guess what? They're going to say the same shit I'm saying. You just don't have a clue about it. And that's kind of the mindset I go into now is like if if you're not going to like love and appreciate everything about me, the good, bad, and the yeast infections, then you can't you can't be part of my life.
0: It's it's fucking scary like that first time talking about health so publicly. I remember wanting to like vomit the first post I did on Instagram that was actually like, "Hey, I'm going through some fucking shit." Like you've you've seen my normal day-to-day stupid fucking Instagram stories and posts that literally mean nothing up until now. Little did you know, like I almost have fucking died like 20 times in the last like two months. So hi, you're I mean, welcome to my life now.
1: No, it's so true. And like Haley, I know, I mean, with your experience with like drinking and how was your experience coming out and speaking on something like that? Because I feel like chronic illness is a very kind of like, I shouldn't say a smaller circle of people, but you know, it's maybe not talked about as much or it's not seen. Whereas like drinking or, you know, going out all the time and having that, should I say, like unhealthy aspect, just like a disease would be. How was it speaking the first time for you?
2: I think I was very nervous. Um, I waited like six months until I was like really confident to share about it. But I kind of had that same realization of like somebody else shared about this and it really empowered me. So I was like, okay, I like know that I can make the same impact. And as soon as I did it, like getting feedback from people and hearing what other people had to say, like other women reaching out to me who could relate to it, I think it really just affirmed like why I wanted to share about it and why it was so important. So, I mean, sometimes there's like negative feedback, but overall it's been very positive and empowering too for me.
1: Yeah. I love that you said empowering twice in that Yeah, because it's so true. It's like when you come into this sense of who you are as a person and the good, bad, and the ugly, that like empowerment aspect, I think is such like, I know for me, There was a time that clicked and it was just like, I am power. Like me, I have the power. I have the power to create the life I want to create. And that helped me push through so many things Um, because no one wants to take five different tinctures 30 minutes before they eat every day for four months. But you're like, no, I have the power to do this. I have the power to get this lime out of my body or at least live a better quality of life for it. And that kind of is, like, really what kept me pushing through some of my darkest moments through life in general. Like, my health issues, my relationship issues, my fucking trauma-hood, like, my childhood trauma issues, all of it was, like, power and empowerment. So that that's awesome.
0: I felt like when I did my first post, I did it as, like, a pay it forward. That's how it felt for me because I – when I was, when shit started to go downhill was 20, end of 2017 for me. And I didn't know what the fuck was going on. I just was like going down real fast. And I started searching shit on Instagram to find people's stories of like people that were dealing with the same shit I was. And that's when I, f- for the very first time, started to see people's stories about this shit. I actually searched for it. You know, I was searching like food allergies and like mold and all of that shit. And I started seeing all these people talking about it so publicly. And so when I did my first post, I was like, this is fucking terrifying. Everybody that follows me on Instagram is about to be like, what the actual fuck? But this is a fucking pay it forward because all of those people that I've just like cold DM'd these last four months trying to get information from them, like here is my chance to help somebody else. Here's my chance to show up on that feed. And have somebody else search mold toxicity and be like holy shit that is exactly what i'm dealing with too and like that was empowering in itself i'm like i'm not doing this for the 500 fucking followers that i've known since kindergarten like i'm doing this for the people that are going to be searching this fucking hashtag that are suffering and don't know what to fucking do next
2: and they need to know they're not alone. And Mm -hmm. I think that all of us probably
0: found that through social media. And there's power in that. Like I felt so fucking alone. I was so scared. And then I see all of these people on social media dealing with the same exact thing. And that gave me the power to fucking keep going. You know, like having that circle of people that were doing the same thing, going to the doctors just as much as me, getting the same test results, like I was like, holy shit, I have this group of people that are dealing with this. Like, I'm not alone. I feel fucking alone in my small-ass community. But, but like, and according to the internet, I'm not so fucking alone.
1: Yeah, no, I think that that's so true. And, again, like, because I, I didn't even think to search, like, food sensitivity, right? But, I mean, this would have been, like, 2015, 16, and I didn't realize that food was making me sick. But I was waking up every day and having, you know, eggs with spinach. And sometimes I'd throw in, like, some kidney bean. You know, I would, like, I'd make an omelet with all this stuff and come to find out spinach is one of my, like, the fucking worst thing I could put in my body. Like, and I'm doing this every single day. And it's really interesting. Actually, I guess one of the first moments that I realized food – well food was affecting my acne more than anything was I I read an article about a woman who said she was like 24 dealing with adult acne and she was like, what do I eat every day that could be bothering me? And she's like, I don't know, like caffeine, energy drinks. She's like chocolate, you know, the shit we think of, right? The bad stuff. And she finally took, food allergy test and she was allergic to apples celery and like one other thing and every morning she had juice and guess what was in it apples celery and that other thing and i remember i was like what do i eat almost every day i was like what do i eat almost every day and i was like eggs i eat eggs like a monster i stopped eating eggs and within a week i didn't have a new pimple I just had to deal with the scars. I used to wonder
0: why I would eat eggs and then get nauseous afterwards. That literally used to be a morning thought. I would eat eggs every fucking morning and then I'd be like, God, I don't feel very good.
1: But it can't be the eggs.
0: never fucking connected that (laughs) until my allergy test came back and eggs were off the fucking chart for me like not to eat. And I was like, oh, that's why they made me nauseous my whole life.
1: (laughs) Well, and I will say one thing that – you can have these food sensitivities and know that you can implement these foods back into your life eventually there's some that you may not right like i eat eggs very rarely um you know in spinach i just try to i I don't touch at all um so yes there will be some foods that you're probably going to have to completely eliminate but as you heal your gut as you heal other aspects of you know whatever the disease is doing to your body you're going to be able to start eating some of those foods again so don't get discouraged when you see it um, and think that you're never going to be able to enjoy that thing again Um, but just know that like it may take time for it to come back into your life for you to enjoy and you know the moderation
0: yeah okay I feel like we could talk about chronic illness forever so I'm going to cut us off and this is kind of tied to chronic illness still obviously because it's a part probably of something you've experienced but A lot of people who listen to our podcast ask us, like, who have chronic illness, who are trying to date, ask us, when do you tell someone that you have chronic illness or how do you tell someone that you have chronic illness? And since I want to, like, transition into talking all things dating and relationships with you, I feel like that's a good question (laughs) to start with because you've obviously dealt with it.
1: Yeah. So I am just, like, a little… Talkative gal. And like, I think I'll sometimes just say it on the first date. I'll just be like, e-. and especially, you know, if we're going out to eat, it's like, well, you know, I, I can't really have that or I can't really have this. And it's like, yeah, you know, I, I just, I suffer from, you know, some health issues. And sometimes they'll then ask, or, you know, I won't necessarily all of a sudden be like, yeah, and I get chronic yeast infections. Isn't that cute? But I at least say, you know, like, I had food, I have food sensitivities and, it affects my body negatively. And I, you know, sometimes I feel this way or, you know, I'm sore or I'm, I'm tired a lot or, you know, I kind of give the list of things. Um, and then as it progresses, yeah, definitely, you know, having those conversations. Um, but don't be afraid to say it because for me, it's kind of like what I was talking about, like weed out the bad ones, because someone's going to sit there and either be like this is gross or this is not something i want to deal with or this is whatever they think about it in their small fucking brains you don't want to be with that person you want to be with someone who's going to listen and validate and i mean i may have to get a hip replacement by the time i'm 40 because i've had three hip surgeries and i'm only 27 and at that point i think i was like 23 or 24 and i'd had three hip surgeries So I need to be with someone who's going to want to take care of me when I have a hip replacement at 40 and knows I'm not going to be able to like bend my legs behind my head or go for a run with each other or, you know, do something just like my brain surgery. The percentage of my cyst growing back isn't necessarily high, but I also got it removed when I was 20. And most people don't have symptoms of this type of cyst until they're in their like 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. I could be 54 and it comes back. Are you going to... Like, what are you going to do? Because I'm a lemon that didn't turn into lemonade. Every day I'm getting closer. But like, don't think this is just a, like easy breezy cover girl. Like I deal with chronic illness. I'm going to be sick some days. I'm going to, you know, like, and and that is what I look at when I'm dating. And honestly, like sometimes you got to eliminate the bad ones in the first dates.
0: I remember the first time somebody told me that. When I was like asking people like, hey, what do you do? Because I was, you know, freshly single and still very much in the depths of Lyme disease and was trying to get myself out there to go dating. And I, I was like, I don't, I don't fucking know when I'm supposed to tell people this. So I was asking everybody. And I remember when somebody was like, why would you worry about telling them sooner than later when if you tell them sooner than later and they leave – isn't that just like less time that you're wasting while dating? And I was like, oh shit. Yeah, I guess you're fucking right. Like yeah. do you think that you have to like prove to these people, you know, that you're fucking worth it and like hide the, the flaws and hide the negative shit about you. But then it's like, it's they're going to know it fucking eventually. Like if you're going to get into a relationship with this person, then you're going to have to tell them. And then you just say they react negatively at that point, And now you're fucking emotionally invested and it's way more fucking
1: heartbreaking. Totally. And I think like, I hear all the time, right? And when I first got my diagnosis and I was at a super low point, it was like, you're still worthy of all these things and people who live with this are so worthy. And you're like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> you know, you're like, but I am here to tell you like, it's so true and it seems preachy sometimes, but look at it in a way where it does somehow doesn't irritate you be like, like you are worthy of someone sitting across from you on a first date and not ghosting you afterwards because you tell them that you have Lyme disease. You know, you are worthy of that respect of that love. And it's like, not just so, like your self-worth isn't dependent on someone else. Your self-worth is dependent on yourself. And yes, we want love and we want to be loved. And that's, such an awesome aspect of like human nature but I would much rather be single till I'm 35 than be in a shitty relationship with someone who doesn't love me and support me especially when I deal with chronic illnesses because like I said the way it affects my body is going to affect our relationship potentially and that person has to love me for that and know that I'm worthy of still loving me for that within themselves too. So don't ever think that you can't date, that you can't be a hoe, that you can't be doing whatever the fuck you want to do with chronic illness, because you can, you absolutely can. Um, and just make sure that everybody that you're around loves and respects you. Cause that's the biggest thing.
0: And I hate to break it to all of the potential men out there in my life, but it is way fucking easier to be single with chronic illness than it is to be in a relationship. And so I am vowed with you. Like, I don't care how long I have to be single. I'm like in no fucking rush to get into a relationship with a person that's not gonna respect it. I think for me, when I like go on dates and have to, or, and when I tell people, my like number one requirement is if, if I, so usually like I feel like first dates. You're not going to get like a super negative reaction most of the time because it's like the first date, right? They're going to be like, eh, whatever. Like, I'm still going to try to sleep with you anyways because, you know, whatever. I'm I'm a man and I want to get my dick wet. But um, like I feel like I've told people and then I've had people who are like, oh, okay. So and then they change the subject and that immediately for me turns me the fuck off. I'm like, that is how I know. You don't give a fuck
1: about it. No, because you probably don't give a fuck about anything after this first date.
0: They're already like dismissive of your chronic illness. You're like, okay, cool. Like you didn't even really listen. Like you don't even know what the fuck I just told you. You're not even going to fucking remember that I have a chronic illness. And so when shit goes down, you're literally going to be like, all right, peace. So I'm like, if I tell them about it and they ask questions, I'm like, fuck yes. Like you are (laughs) interested. And learning what it actually fucking is. It doesn't matter if they've never heard of it
1: before. I could guess. Do you know how many times they're like, is that the stuff from mosquitoes? I'm like, well, actually mosquitoes now can carry Lyme disease. So you're not wrong, but it's from ticks. You know, like, (laughs) and yeah, but it's true. It's like, I think there's a happy medium, right? Like someone who's dismissive of you is never good, right? Like if I'm going on any date and I'm just telling them like, oh yeah, like. I just started this new job and it's really cool and da-da-da. And they're like, oh, nice. Okay. So I'm still <laughs> yeah. gonna have the same. I'm gonna be like, all right, you little dickhead. Like, why are we even here? You don't really want to get to know me. And I'm gonna have that same feeling about me talking about my chronic illnesses, right? Just the same as like, you know, sharing about my surgeries and my brain. Like, I I want someone to ask questions, to learn to to love right and give love in that situation just as i would if someone shared something with me along those lines you know just recently um i i i guess we'll use the word date for like the you know context of what we're talking about but you know had a conversation with a gentleman and he has cancer and he's had it since he was a kid and i remember being like okay so what questions should I ask? How do you feel now? And like, at no point did it deter me away to be like, oh God, I could never be with this person because that's scary or ooh, or did it, it was like, great. Okay. Well, how has it affected your life now? How are you getting past this? How are you, you know, wow, that's amazing. And so you have to look for people that are going to care for you as an individual, whether they are 6 months in a relationship with you and think you're the one or they're 6 minutes into a first date with you and they're just there. Like who who cares as a who as a human being cares for another human being? And that's what you have to look at.
0: I think like the older I've gotten the more I've realized it doesn't fucking matter what people have been through. It matters how they came out the other side of it for me. I'm like I don't care like the trauma that you've been through doesn't scare me. The only thing that scares me is the space that you're in currently after dealing with that trauma. Yeah. You know, like if you've learned from it, if you're better now because of it, then I could care less what that event was that you went through. Like it does not change my feelings towards you at all. If anything, it makes me – it shows me that you're a fucking awesome person, that you went through some shit and you came out the other side of it. Like that is a fucking superpower.
1: I think that's like – the perfect way to put it be with someone who looks at you like you have a superpower because I tell people all the time, I'm like, listen, I I went through college. I went, I went through all of these parts of my life and did the damn fucking thing with chronic illnesses. Like, Do you know how shitty that is? Do you know how hard, like I I'm like, I have a superpower. Chronic illness is a superpower. Being able to, live life. This way is a fucking superpower. And so tell yourself that every day, because what you have is special. It doesn't make you less worthy of something. It doesn't make you, you know, like I thought at a young age, gross because I just had, you know, vaginal issues. It it doesn't make you any of that. If anything, it makes you someone who has a fucking superpower and you need to be with someone who looks at you like that. And again, like, I, I love and cherish my ex who I was with. Um, and I always will. And every, really every day I felt like he looked at me like I had a superpower because I could ball my eyes out about the fact that I might have to live with this for the rest of my life. And then the next, you know, hour I'm like pushing through, taking my tinctures, doing my thing, you know, whatever it was. And so to feel that love and appreciation in, you know, that realm, of my life made it so much easier. Um, And so, yeah, I would say be with someone who looks at you like you have a superpower.
0: So I know that you wanted to talk about soul connections too in relationships. So I'm curious if like this guy that you've mentioned is like a part of your experience with this. Cause it seems like you guys got along really well and like
1: things went, went really well for you guys. Yeah, totally. I think my, healing journey with my health put me on a individual journey with what i wanted in life it was like okay if i'm going to have a healthy body and this is what i'm working for i want a healthy mind i want a healthy soul i want everything to feel aligned and like truly heal right because again our body holds on to trauma in a physical form we are already putting our body through so much trauma with our illnesses that the last thing we need to need to do is hold on to our emotional trauma whether it's associated with our illness or what happened to us when we were like three years old um, and so i i did a lot of learning as i um you know really when i moved to seattle um, i know like you obviously just went through a big move yourself and it's going to be really cool to see where you are. Like you're in your new apartment, you're by yourself. And that was like some of the most beautiful months of my life. And also days I couldn't fucking get out of bed because I was sad. I was reliving my traumas. I was working through some of the hardest shit ever. I was working through my breakup. I was working. through. I mean, all of it was happening. Um, And I think what I learned was. We have soul ties with people. And it's not just relationships, right? It's everyone we meet, we have soul connections. And when it comes to love, especially when you are living with a chronic illness, find your fucking soulmate. You may have multiple. I know I've had multiple. My ex absolutely is a soulmate of mine. I mean, like even now, sometimes we're like, have you been thinking about me lately or have you? why the fuck am I seeing these signs, you know? And it's just like, wait, yeah, actually I did this the other day and And they're like, wait, I felt that. And so it's so funny how you can truly be connected with someone. And I think as you move forward in life, if you remember that while you're dating, don't force it. Like, yes, soulmates can grow, but I truly believe that there is a knowing, right? Like, you know, your body, you know that you're sick you know that you need to advocate for yourself you know that there's you know we need to test for something else you know when a medication isn't working or it you you fucking know and it just taught me that it didn't like just what i was knowing in my bot, like my health issues i could connect that knowing to everything else in my life and um yeah i mean i literally like if i don't have a soul connection with you i'm not I'm probably not going to talk to you for very long because I don't know what to talk about. I don't know what to feel. I don't know, you know, and so trust your intuition. And I think that it, it's, I know it's kind of like probably like, why the fuck are you talking about soul connections as we just talked about Lyme disease and this, that, and the other, but I promise you everything's connected. Everything is energy. And when you're aligning yourself with your own knowing, you, you're going to see, so many improvements in all aspects of your life including your illness.
0: I like that you called it like soul connections I've never thought about it on that level but I know for me this is actually a conversation I have with my dad often so I've had a couple serious relationships now obviously my dad's been there for me through the end of all of them and my dad's only had one serious relationship in his life and that was my mom and they're still married and so like He's always joked about like, oh, okay, like well, you break up with somebody, like you like it's done. You exile them from your life, like you don't do anything, you never talk to them again. I'm like, Dad, that's not what I do. Like, like, yeah, there's obviously a period of time where there's emotions that are strong and I try to distance myself from that person, but I've always fully believed that every person that I've been with, I was supposed to be with them during that period of my life. Like My relationship that blew up in fucking flames from my chronic illness prior to that blowing up, that was a beautiful fucking relationship and I loved it. I loved him and like it was fucking magical in so many ways. Yeah, it didn't work out, but that doesn't make me be like, I should have never fucking dated that person. Like we had some incredible fucking moments together. The relationship before him, I don't regret that relationship at all, like – every every single person i'm like i can think back and be like they were the literal perfect fucking person for me for that timeline of my life
1: yeah and i it's true like soul connections have timelines you may find that soulmate that that timeline isn't infinite right and you are going to be with them for the rest of your life but oftentimes you're going to find soul connections that You're going to be with for a few years you're going to be with for a few months sometimes it's even just a weekend with someone i mean i know like you know sometimes it's just meeting someone and you're like wait okay we met when i was on vacation and you know the bahamas and that's so weird i was so connected to this person because you were because you had a soul connection and your souls just needed to say hi for 72 hours whatever it was and then you go your separate ways and so i would say in connection with soul connections, also know when it's time to walk away. Um, I think in my last relationship, I walked away at a time when it felt good and it felt right and I knew I was supposed to. I think I fought it for a while um, because the fixer in me and the, um, this person is gonna change in me, you know, like love to stick around because it was also a trauma, you know, like bond for me. And when we broke up, I was so sure in my decision and I was so happy about it. And about eight months later, I realized I needed to be back together with this person because my soul was still very connected and I needed that closure. I needed to know, were we truly supposed to be together or was this not gonna work? And I think what I really am proud of myself about is when we got back together, my knowing hit me and I was like, this isn't my person, but my knowing going into getting back together with that person was so strong. So it can be contradictive at times, but know that it's gonna happen for a reason. So if you get back together with someone, say you're on this chronic illness journey and it ends poorly with someone or it just didn't feel right, it doesn't mean that you can't give it a second try um, and don't let society tell you like a second try has never worked out and don't go back and it. Uh, you know, you, they, who fucking knows, right? All I would say is trust your intuition and trust your knowing. Um, because the last thing you want to do is be in a shitty relationship when you're already dealing with a shitty illness. We don't need both.
0: And I think like in learning to respect The time that it takes you to make those decisions and the things that you need to do to figure out those decisions is so important. And there is like a lot of people out there that are like, oh, no, never, never give a second chance, like one and done. I would never like you. That's just letting somebody disrespect you, like fuck you over again. And I'm like, no, I am confident in myself that if I need more answers, I need more answers. Like, if this this doesn't feel done for me, why am I going to say that it has to be done? Like, why wouldn't I explore it more? And I also, like, I'm very confident in myself too that um, my past relationships that I've ended me personally, I've taken a – I had taken a very long time to get to that point, but I waited until I was fucking sure that I was ready to walk away from that person And I've never been more fucking proud of myself than those moments where I was like ready to be like, okay, I've done everything I could. I've put my heart and soul into this relationship and I'm ready for it to be over.
1: Yeah. And I do want to say if you are in an abusive relationship emotionally, physically, if you are with someone who has major narcissistic tendencies, this does not apply to those relationships but I'm also not going to say that, you know, I haven't been a a victim of that, right? Going back and, you know, like, okay, I'll stay with you or I'll do that. You know, you're gonna, you're not always going to make the best decisions for yourself. But I think as I've healed in so many areas of my life, I've allowed myself to know, like, I'm making the best decision no matter what. And I'm confident in my decision. Like, I was only with my ex for A month and a half the second time around so it it wasn't a long time but I knew in that month and a half I knew and I at that month and a half point guess what I still loved him with every ounce of my body I still wished that it worked out I said I still craved all those things but my knowing was like this is the right thing to do and so yeah don't let anybody deter you from Having your soul connections that you need to have, but also your knowing and what's healthy for you is just as important um, in wanting to like rekindle something.
0: So, I don't know if you've seen like us talk on here and or on Instagram at all about male friendships. Mm -hmm. Um, I've struggled with male friendships myself mainly because. I have a pretty high sex drive. <laughs> so <laughs> I tend to sleep with my male friends. Um, and that's always complicated things for me. Not so much always complicated the relationship with that person, but complicated keeping those friendships when I get into a serious relationship. Yeah. Um, because, you know, my now partner is worried about this friendship that I have because I've slept with that person, blah, blah, blah. Um, I feel like you have a good group of like male friends, and I I feel like I see that on social media with you. Like you have solid male friendships. Um, I'm curious, like, what your take is.
1: Yeah, no, it's really interesting. So, I've always been very like attracted to being friends with the boys, Same. Um, and not in like not even in like the uh, like I think like a cognitive way like it's not like I was consciously like I have to be friends with the boys it was just so subconscious that like you know I was the one whooping with them at recess and I was and as I got older I just naturally even now I go into a room and I I kind of like I think it's the masculine energy within me it 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 gravitates towards other masculine energies um and I've kind of learned that, like, and the female friends in my life are great. You know, that's that's not an issue. Um, but it's true. Like, I'm very comfortable around guys and men. And what I love so much is, honestly, like, some of my most amazing friendships are with men, are with guys. And it's really cool because majority of my relationships and or friendships. Um, I have always been platonic, you know, there's like a few here and there where there's like more physical attraction. Um, and I wouldn't say that there's really anyone in my life, maybe one or two that I've like been with and then also remain pretty close friends with. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, it's healthy to have male friends as a woman. It is so healthy and Whether you sleep with all of them or you don't, like you have to, and that's not shade, no shade, (laughs) but it's just like you're adults and you're consenting, do your thing, but just know like what kind of relationship do you want to have with that person afterwards? Can you both have a mature relationship? Can the person you date next be mature enough to know that you slept with a person? and you care about this person still. So how does this, you know, affect them? But yeah, I would say like, honestly, I, I always joke with people cause they're like, you know, your guy friends just want to fuck you. And I'm like, listen, there's probably some that do, but I would, get, I would literally bet so much money that if you lined up all my guy friends and you asked them, why are you friends with Taylor? What do you value the most in Taylor? fucking me is like pretty low on the list. Like they're going to give all these amazing reasons first and then probably be like, well, yeah, I mean, she's attractive, like obviously, right? Like we we're not stupid, but I mean, I have conversations with some of my guy friends and I like cry because they love me so much for who I am as a person and they value who I am. And. You know, like that to me is awesome. And I don't think I could navigate life the way I I couldn't navigate my life without men at all whatsoever.
0: The confidence that you give off just in general as a person is like so inspiring to me.
1: You guys didn't see my face, but I made a – like ai am going to cry face.
0: (laughs) Seriously though, because I feel like what I've struggled with with male friendships, I have a high sex drive. I'm an extremely flirtatious person. I like – I get along with the boys – But then I have these like things that also I'm like, okay, I get this connection with them and then I'm like, okay. And then I start to flirt with them and then I'm like, okay, well, now I want to sleep with you because you're cute too. But like (laughs) in my mind, I'm like, I can still be friends with you. Like I can totally sleep with somebody and have no emotional connection to them. Yeah. Yeah. I can go on the next 15 years just being friends and never sleep with you again. Like that doesn't bother me at all, but I fucking struggle they fucking struggle apparently. And so my like vow to myself Don't they all. now because I want to have fucking male friends. I feel like all my male friendships have like slowly like exploded in like the past few years or I've been with somebody that hasn't appreciated that friendship because I slept with them like I mentioned. Yeah. And like I need to start having a conversation with these people before I actually sleep with them. For me, it's fine. It's not a problem. But like it obviously does complicate things um, for them or for my future fucking person that I'm in a relationship with, and so I know for me, I'm like I need to start growing the friendship further
1: before I take it to that level. <laughs> and it's it's so interesting because I feel like I'm I can so easily like decipher like this is platonic compared to like mm, I don't know maybe I could like this person. I feel like I can't. I feel like I just want to with everyone. <laughs> You're just like. I'm going to take you. You have a pulse? Are you breathing? Okay, come on, baby.
0: Only people I'm actually, like, physically attracted to.
1: I mean, honestly, maybe get some uglier friends. but like <laughs> maybe that's the problem. <laughs> maybe that's the fucking problem. Yeah, I don't know. It's It's really interesting. And, again, I think it's, like, some of my just, like, masculine energy because, yeah, like, I have some really good guy friends that are attractive, but I don't look at them and be like, ooh, my panties are getting wet, like at all whatsoever. And I mean, I love them and they're good people. And I mean, I can be like, Oh yeah, they're an attractive person. But to me, I'm just like, that's my homeboy. And I love him. Isn't he cute? You know, like, and again, I'm like a super flirtatious person. Like, I mean, I probably like make people uncomfortable. I mean, I remember I have a good friend of mine. So my best guy friend growing up, we dated in seventh grade Everybody called me Taylor Taylor because his last name's Taylor. I mean, but we're still like the best of friends to this day. And so when he was in college, he still lived in our hometown. And I became really close with a lot of his friends. Um, and one of his really good friends, and like when I meet, when I hug, like I love my guy friends. I hug them, I kiss them on the cheek, I tell them how cute they are. I like, I'm totally my little flirty self. I mean, I do the same with my girlfriends, but I don't hold back with the boys. And, um, this, my best friend's friend started dating a girl. And I remember after a little bit of them dating, um, I was having a conversation and she was like, dude, if you walked into the house and you didn't flirt with my boyfriend a little bit, I'd like think something was wrong with you. She'd be like, (laughs) I would literally be concerned. Like, are you okay? Like what happened? Like, is it a hard week? Something because I'm that person with everybody. And so don't be afraid that your personality is like out there and loving and flirtatious because that's also the beauty of life is like making connections with people and I mean like my ex started out as my best friend I mean like we did everything all the time it was very platonic and one day I was like hold up why is he kind of (laughs) cute I was like wait I'm confused and I had never felt this way about any of my friends. It was like a very new experience for me. Um but yeah, I mean, I don't uh, the love and affection I give to my friends is the same across the board. Like I'm just as cuddly with, you know, my guy friends as I am with my girlfriends. I'm just as affectionate and loving and giving and that's the way life should be. And honestly, I think the one thing about like dating me is guys think I'm really great and they think my personality is awesome and then they're insecure pieces of shit that the second they see that I love another man in a similar way that I love them they're like why why the fuck are you doing that like he's gonna think give you the wrong impression I'm like listen I've been friends with this man for 16 years if I wanted to be with him I'd be with him and not you. And guess what? In three years, if all of a sudden we realize we are supposed to be together, that has nothing to do with you. And it has nothing to do with my life right now, because that's not what's happening. And so I dealt with that in a past relationship where it got to the point where it was like, I I can't be with you because you are insecure about other men potentially liking me you don't even know. I don't even know. No one, no one knows, but just the idea that this person could potentially like me for all the same reasons you like me for this is your insecurity. And yeah, I just, I'm not going to change who I am when it comes to like the love I give to people and whoever dates me has to love that and respect that about me. Because same thing, like if I go on a date with a guy and he doesn't have girlfriends I'm like, well, how do you not have girls that are friends? What's wrong with you? Like you don't have, and it's true. I mean, I remember a woman I follow on social media. I think her name is supernova mama and it's like a positive parenting and she's awesome. And she posted one day that on first dates, she would ask besides your, besides a family member or a cousin, who is a woman in your life that you value and you cherish? And I thought that was like the coolest thing ever because it's true. And it really goes to show like, who do you have in your life? That's a woman that you value and cherish because everyone's going to say they love their mom and their sisters and their cousins. And yeah, you might treat them right, but who else do you value in your life? Like the reason I love my male friends is I think another reason why I'm such a great girlfriend because I know what it feels like to have real genuine love on a platonic level for someone. And that translates into my relationship in the on a romantic level. So if a man doesn't have that with a woman in his life, how is he going to be able to love you the way you're supposed to be loved?
0: Well, and asking that question, too, also opens up the door for them to ask it back to you, too, and for you to have the space to explain a male friend in your friend in your life that's important to you and have that be like out on the table right then and there. Um, I also want to go like back a little bit to when you were talking about how um, guys like love your personality and think you're great and then they start to – and you get in an actual relationship with them or start to date them and then they start to worry about the other guys that potentially like your personality as much as they do. This is something that's really – fucking important to me going into my next round of being single because when you're first dating somebody getting to know them you know it could be public settings parties with your friends or like whatever they do start to like you because of your flirtatious fun outgoing personality right like that's what they get intrigued by and then as soon as you start dating that's the shit they want to shut down and it's like but this is me And I'm like, and you knew
1: what you were getting into. You like this.
0: (laughs) You fucking knew. So like, why am I all of a sudden not allowed to be that person? And this has happened to me in multiple relationships now at this point, but it wasn't honestly until like this fucking year that I like started to put this shit together. I'm like, wait, the part for relationships that's missing for me is that I don't get to flirt. I don't get to be sexy. I don't get to Feel that way anymore once i'm in a relationship because they're so worried about what's that fucking guy across the bar gonna think while we're out at the bar because you're dressed sexy or you know and i'm you're it's just like what the fuck like this is the shit that's been missing for me i need to make sure that
1: nobody tries to fucking take that away from me again no yes and honestly it stems from I think in like the dating phase, right? People don't want to tap into like all of their insecurities. It's like, Oh my God, I'm infatuated with this person. And I love this, this, and this about them. And And it's it's almost like, (laughs) yeah, it's almost like reverse red flags, right? Like you may not notice red flags in someone else, but you're also not going to notice the red flags within yourself. Like if you love my personality, you love how flirtatious I am. You love how, I mean, you love how I walk into a room and that shit lights up. And I don't say that to be conceited. I just like majority of the time I walk into a room and that shit lights up. They fall in love with your energy. They fall in love with that energy. Right. What happens is they're not necessarily tapping into like their insecurities that are coming through. So what happens is we start dating and then it's like, Oh, right. I have all these shit, like all this shit that I haven't healed. So like, okay, well you're really flirty, but guess what? I had a girlfriend that was really flirty one time or my, like one of my friends had a girlfriend that was a little too friendly one time and she started dating this guy and she did. It, and it's like, hold on. You just told me you loved me for all these reasons. And now you're trying to demonize me for these reasons. This sounds like a you problem. Not a me problem. And absolutely, are there boundaries you should not cross in a relationship unless you are in a fluid, open relationship? Go ahead. And even then, there's boundaries within open relationships. But yeah, at some point, it's like, I think that's why healing is so important. Because if you can't identify the red flags within yourself, your own insecurities within yourself, moving into a relationship, that's what's going to happen. Like a guy's going to come in and love you and be all about you and love everything that you bring to the table. And then the second you start dating, he's going to be like, I don't like this side dish. The main course tastes like shit. And I wanted orange soda instead of Sprite. And you're going to be like, what the fuck? I literally made the same meal last week. And you were fine. (laughs) But now the mac and cheese is dry. Like, I don't get it. And so, no, like, no, if you are in a relationship and you see signs of that, listen, all you can do is push that person to find that you know what needs to heal inside themselves but a lot of times it's not going to it's not going to happen overnight so if if you find that early in a relationship walk away from it it might not feel good it might be hard but you do not deserve to be with someone who's not going to love you literally entirely for who you are and again i was recently talking to a guy and I said something cause I can be like very vulgar. Like I, I think I've like watched my mouth on this podcast, <laughs> but like I say crazy things and I think it's fucking hilarious. And I remember I like said something and I was like, man, yeah, like sometimes, like maybe I shouldn't say that. Like, I don't know, like, do men not respect me because I like make coochie jokes? And he was like, dude, shut up. He's like, it's who you are. You're hilarious. And he just told me about how amazing I was and my personality was and how I'm not supposed to change for anyone and how, you know, if someone doesn't like that about, you know, and I was just like, almost like stunned because yes, I've had people tell me how great, you know, I am or they like my person. I like your personality but to have someone be like this is who you are and this is why you shouldn't change and this and because of these parts of you I value you and it like it makes me like you even more i was like do you want to be my boyfriend <laughs> i was like we can start dating <laughs> you know but it's true like that it, it's it showed me that there was no insecurity around any aspect of who I am as a person. And I'm not saying it won't come up, right? Like you might be in a relationship and all of a sudden be like, oh, I didn't like that. You know, even myself, right? Like I could love a man for all the things that, you know, my personality is and we go out and we're at the bar and something happens. And I'm like, oh, I didn't love that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The last thing I'm going to do is be like, stop fucking being like this. Why are you, I'm going to say this triggered me in some way. Can we talk about this? Like what was it within me that brought up like a past trauma or what was it that really truly was like a boundary that was crossed and let's make sure that that doesn't happen again. And that's something I think I had to learn in my last relationship was I absolutely don't want to change who I am, but there was also some people I was giving my effort and energy into that didn't have the best intentions with myself and my ex saw that a little bit more probably rooted in insecurity than in anything else. But it kind of made me realize like, oh, right. I, there are sometimes boundaries I'm gonna cross and I need to identify that, especially being in a relationship. Um, but that, it was also my first relationship in a really long time, or at least like one that wasn't long distance. So I could go do whatever I want. You know, I could talk to anybody however I wanted and my boyfriend wasn't standing right there to hear. So there's always going to be like those ebbs and flows, but in, in all, no. If you don't love me for my crazy mouth and all the crazy shit I say in my mind, and the I, I don't want you. I don't want you around me. It's not happening anymore. It's not happening anymore.
0: Fuck yeah. Okay, we're an hour and a half into this, so we should probably <laughs> wrap this up. Do you want to let people know where they can find you on social media? Because I'm sure people are going to want to follow you and all.
1: Yes. Yeah. So on Instagram, my name is Taylor Jean, like a pair of jeans with three N's at the end. And I don't really utilize TikTok. I don't even know what my name is on there, Um, (laughs) (laughs) which is so bad. Um, But really, uh, you're
0: on it, but you just don't know what your username is. I
1: don't know. Like it used to it used to be Taylor Jean and then I changed it and then I tried changing it back and someone took it.
0: Oh, shit.
1: (laughs) So I don't I really don't know, but I'm definitely going to try to utilize it more. So next time I'm on, fingers crossed, there'll be a next time. Um, I will know what that is. Um, but yes, Instagram is really my main um, like content space. And that's where I really like, you know, dig into the the nitty gritty um, and kind of share my life. So that's where you guys can find me. Sweet. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. I'm so happy we did this. And honestly, like literally, I will come back whenever you want me. Like we could do it.
0: You're definitely, definitely going to be back. So don't worry. <laughs> Thank you so much.
1: Thanks, guys.
0: Thank you to everyone who listened to today's episode. Uh, Make sure you rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Social Soul Podcast. We will catch you guys next time.